welcome to Get Divorced Without Getting Screwed, a podcast for men who are thinking about divorce in the middle of one now or are recovering from this horrible process. You will get advice from experts and hear inspirational stories of men just like you who have survived divorce. Now, let's get to work. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Nocklinger, the men's divorce coach and mentor. You can join our free men's divorce support community at mensdivorcenetwork.com. Today, I have two incredible guests because I think two is always better than one. We have Sylvia Bredowich. She is an attorney who focuses on divorce and family law. She's been doing this lovely area of law for more than a decade. So we're going to hear all about her experiences representing people just like you. Her office is located in Wall Township, New Jersey. And to keep with that New Jersey theme, we also have Julia Desario. She is an attorney who handles a great deal of divorce and family law. But you know what? She's multi-talented. She also handles real estate transactions, estate planning. So she gets her hands in a lot of other things. I know she, I think she does business law. She does a bunch of things. We're going to hear all about that too. Her office is located in Homedale, New Jersey. And don't feel like just because we're all New Jersey attorneys, what we're saying is not going to apply to you because it will. Thank you for both being here today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So people, the people that are listening to this podcast are either thinking about going through divorce or they're going through a divorce, or they've recovered from divorce, and they're trying to figure out, you know, do I want to do this again? All of those sorts of glorious things. So one of the things, one of the common threads that I always see is that people have a bad opinion about attorneys. Um, and they feel like a lot of attorneys are part of the problem or, you know, create more conflict than they really need to. So I always think it's important for people to understand why attorneys are actually doing this area of law because I mean, we could do anything an attorney you could have practiced any area of law you wanted um you could be doing anything else other than practicing law but you both handle divorce and family law julia you handle a lot of it um so i'm just curious at the very beginning just because i don't like those misconceptions about people so why don't we talk start with you sylvia like why is it that you do this and um, what really gets you up in the morning whenever you start practicing law? So the first thing that you said that, that people think attorneys are part of the problem. I think if you ask a bunch of attorneys, they'll agree with you that there are many attorneys who are part of the problem. And I think that that's one of the reasons why I still do this every day is that this isn't easy. Going through a divorce isn't easy. Deciding if you want to get remarried isn't easy. Deciding if you want to get married at all isn't easy. And having an advocate who looks at you and not at your file, are it's very important. So I always tell people that are coming to see me, like, there's a thousand lawyer jokes for a reason, because there's a thousand bad lawyers for every couple of good lawyers that you meet. And when you're dealing with something so personal, you have to find someone who fits for you. Um, I had no intentions ever of being a family law attorney. That was not my plan. That was not my ambition. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, I had started to work for someone who was doing a criminal law practice. They also did some family law on the side um, that they didn't like to do. And they handed stuff off to me to work on. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with 
the issues, I fell in love with the clients, and I fell in love with the bar because I also think that we have, um, especially where Julie and I practice, we have a really great community of professionals to work together who a good chunk of them are very um, goal-oriented and family-oriented. So it's nice to work in that setting where you're working with some like, like-minded people who want to see a good outcome for people, not want to pad their pocket, but want to kind of get people to the light at the end. Um, it's not easy to find. So I do this because I want to be that person. You know, I want to help people through a difficult time. It's not our job to tear families apart. It's to put them back together when the pieces have already fallen apart. Um, and it's not easy to do. So I hope that yeah. answers your question. <laughs> it does. And I, I think you know, the last thing you said is the misconception. They think lawyers are here to help ban the flames of divorce right. and to make it worse. And you're right. There are a lot of problem solvers out there. So what about you, Julia? Uh, well, I mean, similar. I don't want to fan any flames of anything. Um, right. You know, I, I agree with Sylvia that it's, you know, it's just, um, honestly, if people will tell me that, then I would probably tell them I'm not the right person for them if that's what they're looking for. Um, you know, it is, it's, I think because I've done, uh, and, you know, you touched on some of the areas of law that I currently practice. And, and really what happened was I started practicing working for a general practice firm. So they did do some family law, but they did a number of other things. And, you know, as the, the low man on the totem pole there at that time, you touched a little bit of everything. And then I got completely out of family law for a while, but then came back into it, um, you know, in the past 15 years or so. So, um, you know, it's, um, it, it's in every area of law that you don't, you know, there needs to always be some type of resolution at the end of the day. You can't just keep fighting, although there are some people that do want to do that. And, um, you know, the, I think something that you have to dispel with the clients sometimes, too, is that, like, judges and the court system, you know, it's not like what you see on TV. It's not like you're going to go and have your day in court, you know. Um, even if if you've come to a resolution, you know, I've had people say to me, well, that's it, you know, like there's nobody banged a gavel or, you know, said order in the court or any of those things. So if you can get everything resolved outside of court, um, whether it be using a mediation process or using just your attorneys, like Sylvia said, the bar here uh, in, you know, Monmouth County and Ocean County um, all works fairly well together. Um, you know, and just use those resources because that's going to, you know, really benefit families at the end of the day. And I think that's the most important part. I mean, you know, some of my success stories are where somebody say, oh, you know, um, the, the kids took, you know, uh, money to school to buy for like, you know, the new girlfriend or for stepmom or whatever, you know, at, at a Christmas holiday bazaar or whatever it is. So, um, you know, those are the things that, that you like to hear about and not, you know, the ones where it's, they're still fighting and over nothing, really, just to fight. Yeah, and I think that family lawyers in general tend to be more collegial in smaller areas, like, you know, more rural areas, smaller counties. Once you get into more urban areas, I feel like what happens a little bit like what you were just talking about, Julia, with the, the um, you know, like the general practitioner who does everything you have much you have many more people that are dabbling in this area 
and a lot less sort of people that specialize in it. The more you have specialization, I just I just think everyone listening just needs to understand when you hire an attorney, they need to be doing this. I would I would argue eighty percent of the time, like eighty percent of their practice should be divorce and family law. If, if you talk to someone and they're like, oh yeah, I do criminal and I do real estate and I do bankruptcy and, and I handle divorces for my clients. And oh, I handle some divorces. Like, don't use them. <laughs> just don't use them. And I'm not to say they might not be a great attorney, but they're just not as in tune with the community, the judges, the way that it's supposed to work. Because I'll give you guys a great example. Is I just got off the phone with somebody. Um, as you both know, I don't really litigate anymore, but um, I do every once in a while get begged to take on a case by somebody. And I'm just like, clenching my job when I make that first phone call that I'm like, please let this attorney like talk to me, number one, over the phone. And number two, like actually engage in some problem solving. And so every time so I called and this person could not have been more delightful and it's someone I'd never worked with before. And I'm just sitting here like breathing a sigh of relief because you both know, like there are attorneys out there, their first instinct is just to file a bunch of stuff with the court send you a bunch of letters, send a bunch of inflammatory crap in the letters, you know, your clients, your clients, this, your clients, that, blah, blah, you know, all that stuff, mm -hmm. instead of just trying to find a way to get these people through it. So I love what both of you were talking about in terms of trying to um, help the family through this difficult time, because none of us like divorce. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, I just went through a divorce about a year ago. And you know, it wasn't that bad, but it wasn't that bad because, you know, I was divorcing somebody who's seen how bad divorce can be. And so I just got lucky that he didn't want to, like, go through that. But not everyone's like that. Right. So one thing, I know you both really are big fans of both mediation and, I guess, collaborative law. And um, I've had a lot of people on the podcast from all over the country talk about this. And what I always, the one thing I want to hear from both of you is everyone describes these processes a little bit different in terms of who it's best for and how you talk to your spouse about it because you know you have to convince your spouse to do it too right like you want to do it doesn't matter if your spouse doesn't do it so let's start with julia this time whenever someone comes into your office and you think this person would be great for to be a collaborative case or this person would be great to be a mediation case how do you have that conversation with them and more importantly how do you tell them to convince their spouse or talk to their spouse about signing up for that process? I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people um, have discussed it. You know, I think that the public is pretty well versed at this point in time, especially in mediation. Um, so I think one of the common misconceptions, though, sometimes is that, you know, it, you have to be able to get along to mediate. And I mean, really, if you're getting divorced, something's not right you're probably not getting along somehow um so <laughs> you know i try to tell people you don't you, you don't if you have a good mediator you don't need to get along you just need to keep an open mind and you know um more than likely you can get almost everything resolved in mediation i mean sometimes it takes several sessions sometimes it takes different mediators if you have a complicated case i've had cases where you've had a financial person mediate the finance end and then somebody else mediate parenting time issues because you know it's a whole separate you know kind of a an idea um so 
and not that you can't do both, but I mean, there are certain financial cases, I think that, that really need financial minded people to be able to mediate. Um, and sometimes those people, you know, aren't the best in the, what we'll call touchy feely kind of realm of, of parenting and, you know, and things like that. So, um, you know, so, I mean, as far as convincing people, it's, you know, it's really, I mean, what I try to tell people, especially here, is that you most likely will end up at a mediation at some point in time, even if we file in court right away. So if you can get ahead of it and, you know, get things done before the courthouse comes into play. And I mean, obviously, you know, we all just live through COVID. So, so the courthouse as a place uh, isn't as scary as it was because people do what we're doing now and they get to sit like, well, certainly see some interesting things where they sit and have their dress but um <laughs> you know before that i used to tell people i said look the, the the courthouses themselves have this this atmosphere of toxicity so that even if your case isn't awful you know you might sit there all day and then you just start to hear all the things that are going on around you and you know you, you kind of get drawn into that and it's not comfortable and it's sterile and you know, you're, everybody's getting aggravated because they thought they'd be reached by a certain time and now it's later than that. Now you guys start making phone calls because, you know, there might be a child that needs to get picked up from school. And, you know, if you walk into a mediator and you're scheduled for 10 o'clock, unless there's some major emergency that happens, you're mediating at 10 o'clock, you know? So it, it's so efficient. It's so much, you know, um, you know, kinder of a way to to handle these things and and like i said again you don't need to be all you know everybody be best friends in order to do it you just need you know good attorneys a good mediator and to keep an open mind about things you know well, to give and take well yeah absolutely i mean sylvia you when you get someone that comes into your office and within like five minutes you're like oh wow this is this person just needs mediation they don't need an attorney I mean, it's hard for people who litigate to just, you know, under just be like turn into mediator mode right off the bat and say, you know, stop talking to me about your case. And let's talk about maybe a process that'd be better for you. Do you ever, does that ever happen with you? Do you have people that come to you specifically for mediation? Or do you ever have people that come to you for litigation and you immediately say, you know what, I could mediate, I could mediate your case and save you and your spouse a lot of money. Does that happen? So I think that happens. Um, the way that I do things in my office might be a little bit different. So those conversations where um, someone's flipping the switch for the person saying, hey, listen, why doesn't Sylvia mediate for you is my intake person? Because I generally like to not have, if I am mediating a case, I like to not have any of the information from either particular party um, until everybody's on board with that process. But from sitting in, in the chair of a consultation, and if someone comes in and you know they're on, they want to litigate, 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 I switch that conversation a lot of times. I'd say most of the time I try, depending on what the issues are, to let's, let's mediate. Um, not necessarily with me as the mediator, but with me as your advocate in a mediation process. But I think you know my, my, intake, my intake person is very good at getting a sense from someone's tone and what they're talking about and what their focus is on. Like if it's, this is going to be so hard on my kids, this is going to be so hard on us financially, those things, she will then kind of guide the conversation of like, have you had a conversation about mediation? Have you talked about what that looks like? Do you want to have that consultation? Do you want to have, you know, do you want to be represented by an attorney or do you want to be represented by Sylvia in terms of a mediation process? So we kind of try and knit that in the bud at the beginning, just so that there's never any lines blurred. But you know, like Julia was saying, I, 
people think that they see things on TV and that I'm going to get divorced and I'm going to get my day in court to say like, she did this and he did this. And then the judge is going to say, that's great. And this is what happens with your kids. And that's not what happens at all. And, and you, you both know that. So I always kind of switch that initial conversation to listen to the two things that Julia mentioned, the softer side of mediation, as well as the efficiency right now. I mean, you both know how backlogged New Jersey is in terms of getting anything litigated, which is a huge deterrent. You know, why we, you've been dealing with this by the time you come to Julia and I, and you, we've been dealing with this for, it didn't just happen yesterday. It's either months or years or decades that you've been dealing with these issues with people. Do you want to wait more weeks, months, maybe years at this point, because no trials are getting scheduled, or do you want to start this process now in a way that is solution oriented versus, you know, this past focus, let's future focus and get you to the end of this instead of living in the past 20 years of misery that you've been living in. Um, and also like, do you want someone who's wearing a black dress who you don't know, who has a thousand of you on their docket that they need to check off for their boss? You don't want them making a decision for you, but it's, it's hard. Not everybody, people want to be heard. People also, like Julia said, they, you know, you don't have to get along. Most people don't get along. That's why Zoom mediation is great. You know, you guys can, everybody goes in their separate rooms, their separate corners, and you have the, the opportunity to vent, but you see each other. A good mediator, a good fit for a couple is there's there's nothing that beats it. And collaborative is a great process too. It's different. It's very similar, It's but it's different. And it's a great process too if it works for your family. If you're concerned about privacy, if you're concerned about getting people involved that need to be involved for a more, I mean, really, I mean, Julia, you, you and I both practice collaboratively for, for a more, for a cheaper cost, really, because you're having all these unified people working with you as opposed to this person versus this person. Right. It, it works for certain families that have certain needs that someone who's trained to see those particular issues can, can address and, and jump on to help somebody. Yeah. And I, I think one thing you said, Julia, I, agree that most people are familiar with the concept of mediation collaborative not so much i feel like the people that come in that ask about collaborative they've done their research they sort of already have an idea about what it is or they have a friend or somebody that's told them about it um and if you want to learn all about collaborative law there's been several we've done several podcasts on collaborative law because it's actually a very long conversation about sort of what's all involved with it yeah it's also great too but i gotta tell you guys i'm seeing more and more people coming in that really should not be hiring attorneys they should just be sitting down with mediator right off the bat yep. discussing things because and i'm sure you both have experienced this but when I sit down with people, more often than not, they're in agreement on 90% of everything. They just don't know it yet because they, they kind of say, we just don't know what we're supposed to agree to. Like, okay. this is our first divorce. We've never, you know, you get that whole thing. And we just don't know what we're supposed to agree to. And so this is why I've, I've been saying this forever, that you should, I mean, unless you own a business, there's some kind of domestic violence, you have a legitimate custody dispute, like someone wants to move out of state or move far away. Um, you know, like there's some, like some issue that just, you know, is you're just never going to be able to see eye to eye and you're just going to have to have someone make a call it, except in those circumstances, why not start at the very beginning with a mediator? Um, go get a, advice from an attorney, go talk to Sylvia, go talk to Julia, you know, find out, you know, what you're entitled to. I'm using air quotes for anyone who's listening. Find out what you're entitled to, which by the way is my 
most unfavorite phrase in the world. But find out what you're entitled to, go to mediation, see what you can work out. And then if you can't work it all out, then go to an attorney. I feel like, you know, you both talked about this, this whole like concept of it's not like what you see on TV really starts at the beginning. Because what does everyone think you do when you have a legal issue? You go hire an attorney. Like they, they just feel like that's what you're supposed to go do. And Sylvia, um, actually Julia said this, I really feel like, you know, you said the courthouse can become toxic or you go in, it's just a little bit toxic. I feel the same way when people file, you know, they file an action and they make it John versus Jane or Jane versus John before there's been any attempt to right. try to resolve anything because now all of a sudden it's like, you know, you're, you're like adversaries, you know, you're button heads, you're going after each other. I'm so, laughing because Julie right. and I do this all the time that people come to see us and we say, Hey, listen, why don't you go to mediation? I can still be your advocate from, but from outside the ring. Go with your spouse, then come to see me so we can make sure all the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed. We do that all the time. Not a lot of people do. I think I wish more people would do that, but we've done that in cases together a lot where we've made a phone call. Listen, I know that you're you're representing her or you're representing her or him. Why don't we send them to mediation on their own and then we can kind of just wrap it up nicely when it's done rather than, and we only get involved if something comes up that they can't resolve between the two of them and the mediator. Because why, it's not our job to create issues where they don't exist. Right. We just need to make sure that people are making informed decisions. But if they have all the information and they still want to do something, that's not our job to rock that boat. Yeah. I mean, and Julie, do you think that it, some of that has to do with the fact that so many attorneys see lost revenue by, by sending people off to a, a mediator as opposed to engaging in litigation? I mean, that's why I feel like so many attorneys file complaints right off the bat. It's because it's it's revenue it's like they're they're billing their clients and and i know we talked at the very beginning about the difference between you know, maybe bad attorneys and problem solving attorneys um do you think there's some of that that goes on do you think that's the, why there's a hesitancy to have someone retain you and be like yeah no <laughs> you really should go to a mediator right now yeah i mean i think there definitely is and i think that you know what i learned though is that i mean except for your you know top five percent income earners you know i mean you you get to a point where you're you're looking at you know draining these people's entire life savings just in legal fees and i don't know how at, at the end of the day and then you know then you get stuck with a problem because maybe they don't even have enough and so, it, you know, all right, fantastic. Maybe you made twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars, or whatever the case may be. But they're still not done. They're not going to be happy with with your representation because you weren't able to take it to the end, or you end up finishing it, but you know, not getting paid to finish it. Because then they get this false sense of, well, you know, now I, now I have to go to court. I spent all this money. You know, I can't settle now. Um, so well, I just think. You know, I'd rather mediate 10, 10 cases, you know, and have the people happy and, and, you know, as happy as they can be getting divorced, but, you know, satisfied that they got a fair shake and, you know, send them off, you know, to, to one of you guys or whatever, say, hey, you know, just make sure this is, you know, you feel confident that this is what you should be doing. Um, <laughs> you know, backtrack too about people with court and misperceptions is, you know, here in New Jersey, we have a, the family part is not 
anything that has a jury connected to it. So, yeah, I think Sylvia said before about, you know, somebody in a black robe. I, I know from my experience, um, at least, you know, with some of the judges that I've grown to know over the years or knew in the past, they hated making those decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a judge in a criminal case, you're making decisions about evidence. You're making decisions about, you know, did the prosecutor err in something? Did the police, you know, in a criminal case, did the police err in something? You know, um, you're really more of a, of a referee on the procedural stuff having to do with the trial. Family part is really the only part for, the, you know, again, overgeneralized, but for, for the most part, where the judge is actually the one at the end of the day making yeah. a decision about people's lives. They don't want to have to do that, you know. Um, what in a short amount of time they're supposed to learn, you know, the ins and outs of of what somebody's twenty five years were like, and and what should happen as a result of that, um, you know. So it really it, it just there's just so much more that can be done at mediation. There's so many things that you know, may not get in front of a judge because they're not relevant or whatever the case may be where, you know, you can bring up anything at mediation. And, and you know, something I don't think we touched on is that everything in mediation is deemed to be confidential settlement negotiations. So, you know, there's there's things that people don't want the, you know, public to know. I know, John, you said that before, you know, as far as being more private, but, you know, you've got people who own businesses, people who, you know, whatever it is um that you just don't want it to be you know walking through the hallway of a courthouse and being like oh i know you what are you doing here <laughs> which i've had happen i mean yeah you know, like i've been in court and seen people that well, we're getting divorced because i've been you know and and sylvia i know too like we both are from the area so it's not like we're going into new york city or up into north jersey to work and we're not seeing anybody we know I'm like oh, what's so-and-so doing there you know yeah. it's like oh okay I think too, John, you had mentioned about, um, you know, do we think that this is people who are afraid about losing that revenue? I think that's part of it. And I think, I think part of it too is these, I, I hate that word, but the, the dabblers, the people that don't do family law all the time that are usually dealing in like criminal courts and things like that, that Julie was talking about, the parts of the courthouse that deal in procedure, they just look at this is a divorce, this is the case process, and procedurally this is what happens without really the effects of what something like that does on a family. And I also think it's, which is, I'm sure this could be a whole other dozen podcasts about, you know, attorneys being so worried about professional responsibility and not taking those precautionary steps that, well, you're supposed to file a complaint and if we don't, what about those deadlines and what about those things? And not realizing that like sometimes being so rigid in that procedure does your client such a disservice and that family such a disservice because there's so many other issues in this global process that need to be considered when you're thinking about those procedures as opposed to just this is step one this is step two this is step three that doesn't work in family law every case is different and every case is a different roadmap and if all you want to do is go one two three four five it's going to cost everybody so much more money and you're going to it's going to be so much further down that line before you reach a resolution so i think that's part of it too it's not I think the revenue, there are some attorneys that that does, it's unfortunate. And I think that's in every profession. You have people that operate from different moral compasses. But I think a lot of it too is just this, this inexperience with this particular area of law that's so gray 
where it's not a black and white. The statute says this and you were doing 35. And if you're between 35 and 37, this is the penalty. That's not what we deal with. And when you want to live in that world of process, that's not the world that we live in every day with what we do. I think that's absolutely correct. And I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I did think that that is the other part of this is you have, I'm not going to characterize it as older attorneys, but people that are sort of set in their ways mm-hmm. and, and they treat every single divorce the same. You know, they file this, they serve these things, they do this. And it's like, it doesn't matter what the issues are. They do it the same way every time. And I think the best divorce attorneys, and you two are definitely two of them, are people that are flexible with the case and recognizing that every family is different, every case is different, personalities are different. I mean, heck, depending on who the other attorney is, your your approach might be different. Absolutely. You know, it's like, and you have to, whenever, and I mean, the whole, the reason I want to have this conversation with you guys, and we're sort of having it indirectly, is how to hire an attorney, like who to go for, um, who would be good. So some we've already, touched upon a lot of things that you should really be focusing in on is somebody actually tailoring an approach to what you're telling them you know if you're telling them you know here's my approach and then they're saying well based on what you're telling me here's what i think we should do that's probably a better conversation than well in every divorce what i do is i file this and i do this and i and if that's what someone's telling you i i just don't see what any use they are to you because they're just you know, they're pigeonholing you with everybody else. I mean, this is not a real estate transaction. This is your life and you have to treat it with a delicacy. So, you know, a lot of our listeners are men, but we also have a lot of women that listen to. And I know you both represent men and women. There's only a few attorneys around the state who only represent women or men. Um, those are always interesting um, attorneys. I'll just leave it at that. But I mean, you both represent both. And uh, one thing I wanted to sort of um, dive into a little bit with both of you is whenever we're having these conversations about process and mediation and, you know, trying to figure out a way to sort of, you know, get things done before they blow up, you know, those sorts of things. Do you find that that conversation's different if you're talking to, let's say, um, a man who's coming in and is scared about, you know, their kids being taken away from them and them having to pay a ton of alimony because maybe they make a lot more money versus talking to a, a woman or the other or another parent who maybe has been a stay at home parent and doesn't make as much money. And, um, you know, do you feel like that conversation is different at all when you were talking to those two people, Julia? You mean the conversation regarding mediation? Yeah, or? Like how, to, how to start? Because, you know, if, if you're dealing with somebody, the, what I'm thinking of is if you're talking to somebody who's maybe been a stay-at-home parent and they're scared and they're like, I don't know anything. I don't, you know, I don't know where the money is. I don't know anything about the accounts. Like how, how do you talk to them and still convey that you can still do mediation even if you don't know anything. Right. Well, I don't think that's exactly it. You know, you say, well, you know, just because we don't want to file in court right away doesn't mean we can't still, you know, ask for certain information before we go to mediation so that we're not just, you know, showing up mediation blind and and not knowing anything. I mean, I I wouldn't even recommend that. Um, You know, so again, it's, it's, uh, everything is going to be based on the particular circumstances of the, of the couple and, or the family, you know, is, is the wage earner 
you know, just a straight W-2 gets played uh, every other week, a same amount, you know, is always earned approximately the same amount? You know, or is it somebody that's in, um, in their own business, for example? Or, you know, is it somebody that's in a volatile type of a business where, you know, um, you know, things can fluctuate or you're dealing with commissions and, and things like that. So, you know, any of that is going gonna, is gonna to change how we kind of prepare for the mediation process. Um, you know, we, we live in an area where there's a lot of people that work in the financial markets. I mean, that's, you know, that's one area where your the spouse who doesn't work in that field really has no idea how, you know, it works. And I mean, if, I would venture to say probably 50% of the attorneys don't even understand, you know, how those um, compensation packages work for the employees. You know, the people are getting paid now, you know, or paid later for work they're doing now. And how is that handled and, and how do you deal with that? Um, you know, so that's all stuff that it, it's good to know, obviously, before you go into whether or not um, mediation can work. And, and uh, you know, some of that is based on experience. You can say, well, you know, I had a case like this and, you know, um, you, you know, you might want to use a mediator who mediator who understands the finances better. You know, um, you know, we have several attorneys who have uh, that are mediators who, you know, have a good handle on numbers and finances. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I know Sylvia and I would look at something and be like, oh, this is a case for so-and-so, yep. you know, or this is a case that needs this one. You know, um, and and not just Sylvia and I. Any of the other attorneys, you know, there's there's mediators that are are, you know, very soothing. There's ones that are more aggressive. So, you know, you, you kind of have to judge that at the beginning and say, you know, how's this person going to respond to, you know, getting yelled at versus how's this person going to respond to, you know, kind of being, you know, I won't say talked down to, but you know. So, yeah, coddled almost, you know. Um, I hate that word, but it's it's the right word. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I mean, and, and you know, we're not going to tell any tales out of court, so to speak, no pun intended. But, I, you know, I would venture to guess that, like, you know, Sylvia and I probably have the same names in our head as to who we're talking about. Um, yeah, you too. I mean, we, we all, yeah, we all yeah. know the people that are going to fit people better, yeah. you know. Yeah. Which is all the more reason why you should go to somebody who primarily practices this area of law. They're going to know who those mediators are that maybe can help you with your particular case. Because if you're a dabbler, what are you going to do? You're just probably going to, I don't know, go to the court and maybe get a list of mediators and just choose one. Or, you know, this person down the street I saw had a family law sign up. Maybe I'll just send them down there for mediation. Yeah. Of course, that's if they even think about talking yeah. to you about mediation the first yeah. But you know, you were talking about finances. Well, let's flip it around, Sylvia. Let's say it's um, let's say it's the high income earner, but now he's afraid. Oh my God, you know, she's been home with the kids this whole time. I mean, I'm gonna not have, I'm not gonna ever see my kids again. I'm, I mean, their kids are gonna taken away from me. I know you've probably heard that phrase before. Um, how do you, how do you sort of soothe that person and be like, okay, listen, we can still do mediation. That doesn't mean that you're gonna have to agree. For her just to have custody of your kids or him i'll be gender neutral right so i i do think i have the conversation a little bit different depending on who i'm talking to but the concepts are the same so 
if I'm talking to the higher wage earner who's out of the house more often, who's not seeing the kids as often, but wants that chance, I have a conversation with them. It's it's sort of the same, but in reverse. So the, the conversation is, okay, but you want a hand in how this gets resolved and you want to be able to participate in making that decision. Having someone make that decision for you who's going to look on paper and say, this dad or this mom goes to work at six o'clock in the morning and comes home at eight o'clock at night. So like they can't have overnights because how are they going to get the kids on the bus and how are they going to do this? When your family already had a system in place that worked that we still can use if we tweak it a little bit. So we have an opportunity to, to maintain what you've been doing, but just do it a bit differently than you have been doing it. And it, once you take your hand out of that, you're giving up control and and I don't like the concept of, of maintaining control but they, you do have to maintain a little bit of control over the outcome of your life you know like that's important so I think that the conversation I have is, is really just allowing that to happen that yeah you're the wage earner and you have a lot more to lose so you need to participate to the best of your ability in having a hand in controlling what you're losing a little bit of and where you can gain a little bit in a way that's going to make this feel better at the end of the day rather than someone coming up with what you know is a standard schedule and i i hate that i hate that the internet exists for people that are going through a divorce because i think it's 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 a blessing and a curse everyone can google a thousand different ways about why someone shouldn't have something but they never look at why someone should and i think that that's dangerous so on the flip side of that, when I have the person who's home with the kids all the time, I tell them too, like, we don't live where we live where like your spouse is going to see your kids on just weekends. Not unless that that's something they want. So if that's the world that you think you're living in, we're not there anymore. You know, and I have those rough conversations with everyone. But what you can do is keep your hand in this to maintain some level of control over keeping this system you guys have worked out as close intact as possible, knowing you're not in the same house. So I think I broach it. It's really the same conversation just from the flip sides is that you have to, you can be creative in mediation. We can get as creative as we want with a resolution. You can't do that in court. They don't have the time to do that. Everything gets, your kids get chopped up along with their finances and that's what they do and they can't. And it's not because they don't want to, I don't think. They just don't have the resources to do what we can do nor the creativity because they're not de they're dealing with it from a very different aspect than we are like julie and i can sit down and see someone who's working who's leaving for work at 4 30 in the morning and coming home at eight o'clock at night and still figure out a way to have some semblance of a, a shared parenting schedule in a way that makes sense where kids aren't getting up at three o'clock in the morning people don't think of those solutions but we've lived them before for people you know, so we can get creative that you don't get to, you can't get creative like that in the court system. We can get creative like that in mediation. So we have the ability to make this package that works for you. And I, that I use that package word a lot for business people. Cause I feel like they're used to that with like job <laughs> offers. Like I got this package. So like, I'm not getting the vacation days I want, but I'm getting an extra bonus at the end of the year like that. And I tell them that's how it works. We may not get you what you want in this particular part of the package, but in this package, we're going to kind of loop it around. So it's going to feel the same in the long run, maybe not day to day, but for the year, it's going to feel the same. So I, it's all about like creativity, I think. And that mediation and collaboration give you that, that opportunity that you don't get, you just can't get in the courthouse. There's not enough time. There's not enough capacity. There's not enough judges. There's not enough days in the year, you know, for them to do what they need to do. So we can do that and we work through you, you know, we're not working against you. So I think that that's, that's helpful. And 
always having the right mediator. I mean, that makes a huge difference. You can't just, you can't pick someone off of a list. You can't go to someone that you knew 20 years ago because one time you had to mediate a divorce case once before and the judge said to use this person and I think they're still practicing. It doesn't work. I mean, we have, we've had cases together where we have kids that have special needs and we have mediators that who they have children themselves who have special needs who can lend an ear to something that someone else couldn't who's great with the finances but they don't know what kind of schools these children need to go to what programs they need to be involved in so we have the ability to do that court doesn't have the time or the capacity yeah i would say the the misconception in general is that judges make a lot of decisions um, in divorce, and I still don't know where this comes from. But what I do find very interesting, and I want to make sure people are aware, is the majority of the decisions the judges make, and by majority, I mean like 90% of them, are temporary decisions. Yeah, and, and go make them yourself. Yeah. Right, and they're made, and they're made with very little information. So those decisions are really more made on gut instinct by judges for the most part or just continuation of what's already been happening. So, you know, there's a myriad of reasons why you can't, should avoid court at all costs. Cause like you were just talking about Sylvia, in mediation, you can sit down with a calendar and just be like, okay, here's the children's schedule. Here's huh? parent one schedule. Here's parent two schedule. Let's put all the schedules together and see if something just presents itself as what makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it's very very interesting um, concept. And um, by the way, we're talking about New Jersey, but you know, in other parts of the country, particularly in the South, they have juries that decide a lot of things. Mm -hmm. uh, particularly like custody, who has custody of kids, alimony. I mean, there's some crazy stuff that you know we. That's scary we, to me too. That's scary to me too. It's it's crazy, but and also you know, and I just. I just was flying the other day and I happened to rewatch this movie, Liar, Liar. I haven't seen it in forever. And uh, in the movie, they're divorce attorneys. And it just reminded me, I was looking at the courtroom and the whole courtroom is packed watching this divorce trial. Yeah. Um, that's just not, it's just not the reality of what we deal with. I mean, you, you're dealing with, it's public, but there's really, it's just usually the judge a clerk, maybe a sheriff's officer, yeah. and your attorney, and you, and your spouse's attorney, and them. And you're in this courtroom, days on end, it's boring, the judge is bored, the court clerk has fallen asleep, everyone's bored, because most of the time the issues that you're presenting are just issues that should never have been decided by a judge. It's usually because, I don't know if you agree with this, Julia, 95% of emotions divorce. It, it's just, it's, I yeah, mean, yeah. Emotion. 95% of divorce is emotion. And more than that. And maybe maybe it's 98%. Yeah. You feel like the people that get all the way up to trial, unless you have a very unique legal issue that you're dealing with, or it's something where you can't split the baby, like someone wants to move to California, for example. Do you really find that most of those people are there for legitimate reasons, or is it really just because the emotion just you can't cut through the emotion and people yeah. just can't find a way to compromise it's principle and it's julie it's just like what you said before that people sometimes get to the point where they've spent so much that like i just need to just leave it to somebody mm -hmm. else now and like that's not that's i always tell my my new phrase now is that the, is that the hill you want to die on like is that what's going to be that breaks the back of this whole thing all the progress we're making and that thing is the thing that you want to die on that you're going to risk this great schedule we came up with that's like my 
it's terrible to say, but like, that's my new phrase. And I feel like it's just, it's a matter of principle at some points. And I tell people all the time, your principal's only paying me. It's not getting you anywhere. And you don't want to, you don't need to fund my kids' college fund. Don't you want to pay for your own kids to go to college? Because you're going to have to on top of all of this. But Sylvia, I would rather pay you than give her any money. Yes. Yeah. And, and, I, and I tell people, do you realize how silly that sounds? Because you're taking money out of your own pocket and giving it to me for what? Out of spite. And where does that, that doesn't get you anything at the end of the day. And I mean, listen, there, there are, you know, we've all come across those litigants that just don't care and they're going to do it. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, if it's, if it's not with you or they're, you know, you try to talk too much sense into them, then they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. And yeah, but we only have so much control over the process. You know, I mean, I, you know, I've seen people who've been on the other side of that say, well, how come mine wasn't like this? And I'm like, come oh, on, you were married to a lunatic. I don't know. You know, like <laughs> it's, there are those people that just don't care. You know, there's, you know, I mean, again, we could have 12 more podcasts over different, you know, personality types and, and what's really out there. Um, you know, um, that it's just, they're not gonna, they're not gonna let go. They're not gonna stop, you know? And I mean, a lot of people do think, okay, I'm finally divorced. It's done. And then, you know, two months later, it's back in court on a, on a post-judgment motion because that's, you know, um, thankfully, again, that's probably one to 2% of the population, but you know, it's, um, and again, I think that goes back to a lot of, you know, the attorney's responsibility. I mean, you see somebody that's come in to have three, four, five lawyers already, you know, that there comes a point in time when it's like, okay, something's, something's not right here, you know. And this may not be the popular, but when those people come in with five, six lawyers before, I don't take those cases. Oh, me neither. But I feel comfortable enough in the... 15 plus years I've been doing this to sit down and tell someone like there comes a point where you have to reflect on where you're the issue here yeah and like really look at this because when you and when people come to you with a binder because they live their life every day ready to show you what that person did wrong you're living in a really sad place mm -hmm. and I think you have to if you're doing family law you have to be comfortable telling people that who wants to live their life printing out text messages to show someone, I just want you to know what they said. Okay, so now I know, and what? Where does that get me? Where does that get you? Yeah, I mean, and a lot of that, a lot of that, I always feel like the first attorney that they hired um, may have fanned that flame a little bit too. Like, you know, like yes, them a little bit too much to death. Oh yeah, we can get you that. Oh, you're guaranteed to get that. Oh yeah, we can get you that and all this stuff. And then what happens to the litigant? They find out their attorney was right. truthful to them. So like, right. well, that's just because that attorney's no good. Now I'm going to go get somebody else who's going to give me that same thing that I heard I can get. And now all of a sudden they've created this monster who just goes from a from attorney to an attorney. I got to tell you, Sylvia, we had a policy in our firm. We would not be the third attorney. Right. That's because, my policy. That's my policy too. Well, especially if the first two attorneys I knew. And oh, I, right. Yeah. And if mm -hmm. I knew them to be, you know, good attorneys, I mean, come on. I mean, I can understand if you don't get along with your first attorney for whatever reason. You know, yeah. both of you, I'm sure I've, you know, I've had clients that have left me before. Oh, yeah. You know? Sometimes it just doesn't fit. Yeah. yeah. And and you've got you to gotta follow your gut a little bit as a litigant. Like, you know, if you're, you know, because not every attorney is, is, has the same personality. Like, if you need a little bit more, <laughs> you want to speak to your attorney on a, 
regular basis. When you email them, you kind of want to hear back from them quickly. And your attorney is really not that kind of person, but they're still, you know, doing what they need to do to move you along. Then go find another attorney. There's plenty of attorneys out there that are better at, I, I forget which one I've used the word coddling, but there's attorneys out there that are good at coddling. But I got to tell you, do you know who needs to be coddling you if you want to be coddled? A therapist, not an attorney. And I don't understand why people do not go get a therapist when they start going through a divorce if they feel like they need to tell the story. Like your attorney doesn't want to hear about your next door neighbor that your husband you know, had the affair with seven, you know, 7,000 times. I, I may have told you guys both the story before, but I used to have a cordless phone in the office and I had several clients who would tell me the same story over and over and over again. And I would tell them at the beginning, now remember, I'm charging you for this. Do you still want to tell me this whole story again that I've told you I don't need to hear again? And they're like, well, but, but there's something I forgot to tell you. And of course it's inevitably the same story. Um, I would just walk around the office, you know, put them on mute, still listening, but put them on mute, go get coffee, maybe use the bathroom, walk around the building. Because I was like, like I don't know what else to do. Like, you can't tell a client, you know, absolutely forget it. You just have to warn them, I'm not the right person to be telling the story to. And hopefully they start to, they start to realize it. Because one thing that I think is really important, and we haven't touched on in this conversation is, you your divorce attorney is not the one to help you come to terms with going through a divorce you know we're here as problem solvers to help you get through the process we're not here to like you know make you know for you to have self-reflection about why is this happening to you why are you here in the first place and so i think whenever you go meet with sylvia julia any other attorney you need to at least be thinking about the fact that they're the help, the problem solving of the, you know, of divorcing you. If you have issues with, you know, you both have heard this before. Our marriage is perfect. I don't know why this is happening to us. This, why is this happening to me? She never said anything to me, blah, 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 all that stuff. It's important and we're all human, but you know, Sylvia, Julia, we're gonna talk to you like a human talks to you. We're just gonna be like, listen, it's okay. We're gonna get through this we're not trained. I mean, I don't know if either one of you is. I'm certainly not trained as a mental health person. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not there to help. I can't help you through this stuff. Do you guys have that conversation with people? Do you do you say like, listen, please go get a therapist. Here's a list of 10 of them. Please yeah. go get somebody. I don't even care who it is. And what's the reaction that you get whenever you ask people to do that? I think sometimes we get, and I don't want to speak for you, Julie, sometimes we get yes, like, yeah, 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 we'll do that. Um, Some people I push a little harder than others that like, listen, this isn't easy. It's taking a toll on you. It's going to be, and I always back it up by saying, I think the court should require counseling for everyone going through a divorce, whether you feel good about it or not, because I do. I I think that it's a grieving process, whatever stage of that process you're on. Um, So I try to do it in a way that's not like, I'm stigmatizing you for what I think. Like, I see that there's something wrong with you versus like this process isn't easy. And in my experience, it takes a toll. So I offer resources. And I also tell people sometimes before we get on this call, I want you to make a list of, is this the Sylvia, my lawyer issue? Or is this, I feel sad about something and it should go to someone else. Like I, before we have the conversation, I've had clients literally who used to make lists, like this is not a Sylvia issue. This is my therapist issue because they were finding that they were getting very intertwined and i referred them to a therapist and and kind of gave a rundown of why you know the therapist like this is what i'm seeing 
I'm obviously not a professional, but these are the issues we're running into. And that was an exercise they had with them. So I, I brought it into our relationship is before we get on this call, we're going to have an agenda that we need to talk about. We got this offer. So we need to talk about what that offer means, what you like about it, what you don't. If there's anything outside of that agenda, is this a Sylvia problem or is this a my therapist problem? Or is this, I just need to kind of deal with this on my own and figure out where it is. Because if it's not on the Sylvia side, don't bring it into our conversation. And that it kind of- a, It might be a friend problem. It might be something yeah. you can't talk yeah. to a good friend about. What about you, Julia? How do you have this conversation with people? Uh, I mean, I, I think similarly, you know, it's, it's um, you know, you always ask people, have has there been counseling? Are you in counseling? Um, you know, have you considered it? And, you know, I'm, I'm I mean, it's, it's, you know, obviously, I think, like you said, none of us have that background. But after doing this for years, you've developed some sense of at least being able to <coughs> acknowledge when there's the need for it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just a matter of getting people to that point, because some people think, you know, they're very okay with what's going on. And, even though maybe they're very okay with the concept of getting divorced, there's been things that are leading up to it that they're not okay with. Um, you know, and I think a good therapist is, you know, is key to that. And I think once you get people in that right place, then, you know, that whole thing about the, the 98% of uh, divorce being an emotion can, can be contained. And I do have to say that in my experience, that is one of the really nice things about collaborative is that generally in any of the meetings that you're all having there is a mental health professional in the room and and i mean selfishly you know it's just really nice to be able to look across the table you know at the other attorney and then like look down to the mental health professional and be like you know right what do you want a resource yeah, yeah. and they'll say oh well come into the office and, you know we'll put this together or we'll do that or you know um, and that's great because it's not coming from a like husband or wife or partner or whoever needs needs a therapist because there's something wrong with them it's there we we coach them through the divorce process and that's what they're doing they're coming as as an advocate for you during this this stressful process not because like my you know the typical my wife's bipolar my husband's a narcissist like that's not why they're involved they're involved because divorce is hard and sometimes we need to talk about what's hard and your lawyer isn't the person to talk about that too. So that's recognized, like jumping right into the process that there are going to be times where this is tough. And those that gets directed to me, not to Julia, not to Sylvia, because they're going to handle the other things. And I mean, parenting time is really is yeah. is one area that that's perfect for, because, you know, they're going to look at me or they're going to look at Sylvia and we're going to be like, okay, well, you can either do like, you know, so it's, you know, straight 50, 50 parenting time. Okay. Well, you can either do, you know, this many days, that many days, or you can do this or that, or, you know, and then everybody's always got a kind of like a response. Well, you know, I don't want it to be that long. Well, I don't want the kids to have to move back and forth that many times. Well, you know, like my response at some point in time is like, look, there's only so many days in a week and there's only so many ways to divide them up. So, you know, I, we can make recommendations, but you know, it, it's really comes to a, a mental health professional that can, can work through that and say, look, you know, statistically it'll show that kids do better with this, that, and the other thing. I don't know that. I don't have that information at my fingertips. I mean, yeah, I guess I could go research it, but, you know, it's much more efficient for somebody who's counseled kids or knows people who've counseled kids or been in those the right letters. The right letters after that. Coming from a PhD versus a JD, those words mean something very yeah. different to people. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely do. And, and you know, we've been talking about therapists, but of course, 
there's also divorce coaches like yep. there's a bunch of other things and I, what i love about what i love about therapists and divorce coaches they're very different in terms of what they do but mm -hmm. they're so much better than your friends and let me explain why and you both already know this your friends are just going to yes you to death they're just going to tell you oh yeah he was horrible you're not getting enough money you know this other friend of ours got this and that the other thing sometimes you need somebody to really just set you straight make sure that you're keeping your eye on the ball and not veering off into some wilderness so many people get into this wilderness where they're like they're com in that comparative territory. We're like, well, I had a friend that got this. I mean, you both have heard this a million times. Yeah. Um, oh, I had a friend that got this, but why can I get that? Well, you know, I know a friend whose husband only got every other weekend. That's what I want too. And yada, yada, yada. I mean, that drives me insane. And by the way, as a side note, uh, Julia, you're talking about the schedule. And this is just, I've been talking about this on every podcast. But um, before I got divorced, I was against the week on week off. I just thought, how could you have a child be away from their from a parent for that long? Well, I now do week on week off and I have changed my tune. And, and the reason I bring this up is one thing that is interesting about and one of you talked about the special needs child and going to a mediator that has a special needs child. Um, you know, a lot of times in divorce, um, a lot of attorneys lose sight of reality. And it's much more of a, you know, it's much more of a technical or they're, they're looking at what psychologists are saying get, are good for kids and whatnot. And we just forget that it's really what's best for the family, whatever's best for the family. And every kid is different too. No two kids are alike. And so I say all that, I, I started as an attorney, I was against you know, week on, week off. I was like, oh, we need to do like a two here, two here, three here. So this kid's flipping back and forth. Well, I got to tell you, I talked to my daughter and she is the one that was like, I don't want to be flipping around back and forth during the week. That's just crazy. And you know what? She is so happy. And I would not have even have realized that had I not thought for a second, let me, what's good for her? Let me actually talk to her. And I just say that because a lot of our conversation today has been about emotion and about process and about a you know a parent two parents getting divorced and i think a lot of times people forget about the child they forget that the child the process that you pick is going to have a profound impact on your children and if you sort of start on the wrong path you might be really hurting your kids i mean is that something is that a conversation you guys have with people about think about your kids whenever you start going down this road I think that's really great because I think there's a couple of things. One is that like you had the insight to know that your daughter was so self-aware to be able to tell you what she really wanted. I don't think that a lot of people that come to me anyway, um, look at it that way. I think they look at it as from the perspective of, I don't want to lose that time. I don't want to go that far. And therefore, because I don't like it, it's not going to be good for my child versus knowing their child well enough to have that conversation i think that that's like like stellar parenting you know from someone with a very little one like that's like that's awesome to hear um but i also think that that is another like why mediation and keeping out of court is so important because when you're litigating and julia how many times do you hear well he talked to our daughter about it 
and you're not supposed to talk to the kids about this. We're supposed to keep it like, like it's a terrible thing. And there are some conversations you should not have with your kids. And that's not what we're talking about here. But when you work from that mediation and collaborative perspective, you can have those conversations and they're not dangerous conversations to have because you're, you're family focused versus whoever's on that one side of the V, you know, you versus me. And I think that that's, that's huge. And I, I think that, I think that's great to hear because I usually, candidly, I usually try and direct people away from that one week on, one week off. And maybe I shouldn't be doing that. You know, maybe we need to be more in tune with specifically like what's, because I tell people kids are re resilient. Like they like to have a schedule. They like to have structure. But like, why does my schedule make more sense than something else? You know, so I think that, I mean, think, I don't know. I think that's great. Well, I, I will tell you, and I mean, you know, Thanks for the, the, the <laughs> comment about the good parenting. I really don't know. I don't really know that it was that so much as, and I didn't have a like. I didn't ask her like, what do you want? What do you want the parenting schedule to be, Sydney? Um, it was much more of a just recognizing that what your child, what's going to be good for your child. And we all know our children that are good with consistency. You know, and people think consistency. Well, if it's every every Monday and Tuesday, they're at one house and every Wednesday and Thursday, at the other house, it's now consistent. A lot of kids really, the whole week being consistent is better for them than the same days every week being consistent. And I think what ends up happening is when we start going through, when people start going through a divorce, they just lose sight of their children. They just lose sight of what's good for their kids. And it's always, always about me, Sylvia, what you just said, it's my time. I want this time. You know, it's all about me. Who gives a crap about you? It's your child. And if you do it the wrong way, you will screw up your child. You might not screw them up in a <coughs> way, but you might actually be damaging their their impressions of healthy relationships in the future. You might actually be subconsciously doing things to them when they become a parent too. And I just think people need to be a little bit more cognizant of what they're doing to their kids before they start going through a divorce. Yeah. Uh, and what do you think, Julia? Someone else who's an incredible parent to several very great children. Yes, for a main thing. I agree. I mean, I 100% I agree. And I mean, I think it is a lot of knowing your child. And, you know, look, some of it is geographically uh, driven, depending on where somebody's living. But, you know, I, I have seen the same thing as far as um, I have a friend who's divorced and her kids are high school age, actually was in college now, but were high school age for, you know, when the bulk of the time I've known her um, and they lived very close by. So they could have easily done, you know, a, a more uh, broken up schedule, but they did week on week off. And it was just like, you know, there's a set of, here's a set of, you know, school uniforms there. There's a set of school uniforms here and, and whatever the case may be. So, um, you know, it just, it just worked better. Now, of course, there's probably some kids that that's not going to refer some parents with schedules and that's not going to work for it. But, but I agree that to keep the, the, your, your kids in, you know, kind of line of being first. So. Well, it's, it's just not what's good for the parents. It's what's good for the right. kids. And I think that that's, you know, we always talk, we've been talking about, you know, two people going through a divorce and there's always that third party there and that's the children. And there are always these, these, these poor people that just don't have any say about what what's happening in their own lives. And, you know, sometimes we try to, you know, have a, them talk to a judge, which by the way, I just want to smack someone across the face every time they tell me, I want my kid to talk to a judge. I'm like, do you really? 
do you really want them to talk to a judge? What's wrong with you? I mean, I don't know any child that would love to do that, but I think if, you know, I think this conversation has been great. We've, we've sort of just touched on the broad topic of just try to go into this process um, with an open mind, try to go into it with a view towards keeping things out of court. Don't have some person in a robe who may be really great, may not be as great making decisions about your life. Um, don't spend all of your money as much as, you know, as much as Sylvia, Julia, and myself, as much as we, you know, we make a living off of, you know, helping people go through divorce, you know, don't spend all your money on an attorney. Just don't do it. It's not necessary. And of course, it takes two to tango, right? So you can have that philosophy all you want. Your spouse can be, you know, hot, mad, and want to rip you to shreds no matter what. But what can all you can control is what you can control and do your best and be sure if you're in New Jersey, you've just heard from two incredible attorneys who also are incredible mediators. So, you know, if you are listening to this and you're talking to your spouse and say, I heard this podcast and they were talking about this approach, you know, you can call up Julian or Sylvia and say, can you just mediate our divorce? Like, I, I just want to make sure people understand you don't have to have an attorney to go through mediation. You do not have to do it, particularly if you and your spouse are kind of on the same page. Like, I mean, I don't know. Why is there this, why is there this misconception that everyone who gets a divorce hates each other? It, sometimes it's just, we've just grown apart. It's just not working for us anymore. We've just decided. Right. You know, so I just think that if you take anything away from this podcast, just please understand there is not one way to get divorced. And if anyone tells you there's only one way to get divorced, they're not the right person to be helping you. So thank you both so much. I have, you've given me so much of your time. I don't want to take any more of it because I know both of you have so many great things you need to go do mm-hmm. other than sit here and stare at my face. So thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for and having us. You're welcome. And Julia, if anyone would like to contact you, can you please tell our listeners how they would do that? Sure. They could either call the office at 732-671-7007 or send an email. Uh, it's my first name, Julia, at Desaro, D-A-S-A-R-O, law, L-A-W.com. All right. And Sylvia, if anyone would like to contact you, how would they do that? You can reach our office at 848-220-9373. You can email me at Sylvia, S-Y-L-V-I-A, at brightlawfirm.com, B-R-E-I-T, lawfirm.com. Or you can um, drop a a message on our website, which is brightowitchlawfirm.com. Awesome. Well, thank you both again so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. We'll see you next time.